For years, contractors have chafed under an executive order former President Obama signed as one of his earliest actions. Known as the non-displacement order, it required companies winning follow-on or successor contracts to give first right of refusal employment offers to people working on the incumbent contractor. President Trump revoked it late last week. Here with what services contractors are thinking, the president and CEO of the Professional Services Council, David Berteau. David, good to have you in. Thank you, Tom. And so this revocation was something that contractors wanted. I guess let's talk about what were the practical effects of it. Was it really such a terrible thing? So the executive order actually was one of the very first ones uh, implemented in the Obama administration. It was signed actually just 10 days after or issued just 10 days after uh, President Obama took office back in 2009. It uh, as e- even then, it took a long time to get an executive order into the federal acquisition regulation. So almost three years later, the FAR regulation was issued. The problems all along have been in the application and implementation. It applies only to service contract acts, uh, contracts, which are numerous. Uh, we do training three times a year for uh, both our member companies and non-member companies in compliance with the Service Contract Act uh, requirements. And this is always an issue. Uh, the idea is that the incumbent workers will be hired by the winning bidder if it's not the incumbent, right? Uh, the problem is that this has a lot of negative effects, and the first of which is what's covered, who's covered, what if the winning bid has a lower salary, what if it has fewer workers, what if it has a different type of category of workers. So what constitutes actually a right of first refusal um, is has been hard to, to put into play. There's also the factor that if the government was unhappy with the incumbent, then they wouldn't want those people back. Well, we maintained uh, all along that, in fact, this kind of issue could be dealt with through the contracting process itself. You make it part of the contract requirements, part of the scope of work or the performance work statement, part of the source selection and evaluation criteria, and part of the source selection process itself. And and you can accommodate all of this. And so we always thought this was an unnecessary executive order. Uh, and in fact, in its implementation, it has proved to be very, very burdensome. In addition, the complaint process is so long that oftentimes it actually inhibits the uh, uh, coming on board of the new contractor and the ability, because you can't actually start work until the, you've gotten a rejection of that right. You've made that right of first refusal and a certain amount of time has passed or they've rejected the, the offer. So it's very, very complicated. We were delighted to see, uh, to see it revoked. It was actually one of the proposed uh, regulations uh, back in the beginning of the Trump administration. You remember when they put the regulatory freeze and the two-for-one uh, trade uh, for new regulations. Uh, PSC put a number of regulations on the table as uh, essentially offers of candidates for rescission or revocation, and this has been one uh, since 2017. So we were delighted to see uh, this. It'll take a while for the FAR clause to come out because they got to go through the regular procedures to do that, uh, but we're really looking forward to this being done. And we don't know why the White House did it now. Uh, there was nothing in the uh, announcement on that, that said why on Halloween, right? There was nothing in the announcement that uh, that said why uh, or, or what it was that led up to it. And uh, and it may well be that just the passage of time uh, and maybe there are a few, few other things on our list that will be revoked before uh, before the end of the first term. And would it be fair to say, too, that having this in place probably in some senses or in some situations limited innovation, limited Absolutely. the ability to engineer something new for an agency? Part, part of the value of process uh, re-engineering or business process re-engineering is you actually can get better results or better outcomes with fewer or different people. And if, if your proposal, in fact, requires you to focus on uh, giving jobs to all the incumbents, 
Uh, you'll remember the famous uh, uh, quote when uh, when Stalin uh, was presented with the idea that if he got adding machines for his bookkeepers, uh, he could do uh, one bookkeeper could do the work of 50. And he said, well, then I just have 49 unemployed bookkeepers I have to deal with. Well, you'd like in the government to actually bring that innovation in where you could have one person do the work of 50. Uh, it would save time. It would save money. It would deliver better services to the citizens. So this would inhibit that kind of innovation. And we'd hate to see that. We're speaking with David Berto, president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. And let's talk about the JEDI contract for a minute. Now, the dust, I guess, is fairly much settled and everyone and their brother is evaluating what's really going on with JEDI. You have some evidence and insight that really JEDI is just a small, relatively small part of a much larger cloud strategy at the Defense Department. At the PSC Vision Forecast Conference last week, the deputy uh, CIO for Enterprise Services, Peter Ranks, uh, did a presentation on that digital modernization strategy, and he focused a considerable amount of time, on the record, uh, on the cloud strategy there. And, and you can see Jedi Cloud is a part of that cloud strategy, but there are many, many others. In fact, I believe he said there were 300 separate cloud contracts across DOD of which the CIO is aware. There are probably more that they're not aware uh, but the, the integration of those over time, Jedi Cloud is only a part of this. It's now been uh, about uh, a week and a half since the uh, announcement of the award. We're waiting to see kind of what happens there. Um, but the, uh, in fact, one of, one of the reporters on uh, Federal News Network, uh, Jared Serbu, got and put something out last week, a list of nine additional contracts that DOD considers to be enterprise-wide cloud contracts. Some of those, it's a little hard for me to tell why they're enterprise-wide, but I'll take their word for it. And I think what it shows is that the strategy really doesn't depend on any one contract. The real question, though, is, is whether DOD can use these kinds of contracts to access the technology innovations that are being provided by the commercial network, regardless of the firm that it comes from. What's really important here is DOD being able to take full advantage of that technology innovation um, in something more than just a pretend that you know what I'm going to want three years from now or know what you're going to offer three years from now and tell me how to put it under contract. This is really important for DOD to figure out how to do. I guess maybe, too, you could interpret the idea of their putting out this slides and so forth and presentations on the nine enterprise deals as a way of letting some of the air out of JEDI because it was DOD itself that touted this contract as the central one. This is going to be our cloud strategy. This is the central pillar, the long tentpole in the whole thing. Now they're trying to back away from that, maybe because of the controversy around it. Well, I don't know whether, whether they're backing away or not, because I actually think the requirements are quite valid. There's a lot of work that needs to be updated in terms of how a DOD takes six months to do something that, you know, a commercial cloud provider does 12 times a day. And, uh, and so we really need that kind of speed brought into the system, if you will. Some of that, though, is not just a contract and not just the technology or the company that's providing. It's the internal rules and the culture that has to come into play. Um, those have to be taken into account as well, and actually DOD has to tackle them. And it's odd because they have to tackle them at a time where the changes over the last two or three years have actually put more responsibility back into the military departments, less in the Office of the Secretary of Defense, so that the DOD chief information officer doesn't have quite the same authority over the department uh, that that position would have had, say, three or four years ago. Uh, where it does have that authority, though, is in what's commonly known as the fourth estate, the defense agencies and field activities that do report uh, to the Office of the Secretary of Defense and to the various uh, principal principles within that, that office. 
And there, the application of Jedi Cloud could be quite powerful. And this is, of course, about one-fourth of the DOD uh, total contract spending. So there's a lot of opportunity for improvement there. Right. And it's not just administrative and policy shops. It's also some operational components that simply aren't part of the armed services. Absolutely. The Defense Logistics Agency, Defense Information Services Agency, the new Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency. These are all very data-dependent uh, operations, uh, very dispersed, and they're actually connected very much to operational matters within the, the Pentagon and the military. And so the application of Jedi Cloud or other enterprise contracts would be very important in that realm. And do you think we'll ever know the details that might have been given to Amazon on the debrief? Well, I think what we'll wait to see is what their actions are. I mean, the, the, one of the most important elements of the debrief is to let the losers know why they lost. And, uh, and if that's done well, if an enhanced debriefing is either requested or provided so you get full details of, of what the scoring was and, and, and why you lost, then you're probably less likely to file a protest because one of the reasons you'd file a protest is if you got a bad debrief and now you really want to know. Right. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. And perhaps even by the time uh, this is in in its last play at the end of the day, uh, we'll know more than we know right now. Well, I predicted Amazon would protest before the end of the World Series, but that hasn't happened. So that hasn't happened. And Game 7 has come and gone. I I have my Nationals cap on to celebrate the Nationals victory with you. David Berto is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. Thanks so much. Uh, You're welcome. We'll post this interview along with a link to the executive order at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.